Welcome. This is Karen Motokaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. Last week, I talked about it's okay to not be okay. And as I ended it, I let you know that I'd be here talking this week about when you're actually doing great and others around you aren't, what to do about that right? Because maybe you are okay. Maybe you're doing really great. Maybe you're doing fantastic. But people at work, family member, a spouse, partner, a sibling is not okay. What do you do? How do you show up? And I want to talk about that because that's really important, right? We can talk about, you know, owning our story and loving ourselves and not being okay. But the truth of the matter is there are people that are doing really, really great. And you don't need to dim your light because there is suffering in the world. And we're going to talk about how to hold that for both and how to be available. So my invitation for you today is to know that it's okay to be doing well. And for those who you know, love, care about to be in their own struggle because life is really, there's movement, right? It's constantly moving and changing and evolving. And while you may be doing great today, there's going to be a time where things are going to be a struggle. Like that's the truth about life. It's not, I'm not trying to paint a dark picture. It's, this is real life. And when we can have real life and look at that and understand there's the tension of both, we can move through it instead of getting so taken down from it. So last week, as I mentioned, I talked about the fact that we are not okay and really to normalize that, like there's nothing wrong with us if we're not okay. And it's always important to own our story and love ourselves. I remember when I first, I think Brene Brown had sent me some books. I was interviewing her for, to be on my podcast and in the books was this bookmarker and it had that quote, owning our story and loving ourselves is the bravest thing that we can do. And I really like that. And I really, I was like, ooh, I mean, if you know me, you know, I love quotes, right? I love a good quote. I was like, ooh, I kind of understood it. Like I was like drawn to it, but man, I have that in my bones. It's we own our story. If we're not okay, we own it and we love ourselves. Not owning it and not loving ourselves. Well, not loving ourselves is I'm not okay. And it's because I'm weak. I'm not strong enough. That's not loving ourselves. That's just beating ourselves up even more. So owning our story and loving ourselves. It also goes for the good, right? And especially I see females, like when you are really good or, or you are doing well in life, you know, when you're successful or you're doing well in life. And that's what I mean by are really good. Like you're really good at what you're doing. It's hard to take up that space because people are like, well, who does she think she is? So I want to talk about this. This is really important. When you are great, when you are doing well, when you're really flourishing and those around you are not, how do you show up? Right? Because it's really important. Yes, burnout is real. People are tired. They're stressed. They're overwhelmed. 
And there are people out there that are behaving poorly. And I'm not talking, when I'm talking about you're doing great and others aren't doing well, I'm not talking about those are the people doing poorly. Like there's just bad behavior that's happening, whether it's people that are driving really fast on the highway. I was driving down the, to the Bay Area yesterday and there's a lot of fast kind of crazy driving that's going on, right? Like that's poor behavior, like not thinking about the ripple effect of what could happen. People are behaving poorly in boardrooms. People are behaving poorly in offices. Sometimes our kids are behaving poorly. Sometimes we're behaving poorly. Like that is just the reality of life. And here's the thing is that if you're like, oh, but it's not in other people's industries. I coach people across many different industries and it's there. It's like the same thing over and over. Different industries, different parts of the world, different parts of the country, different continents. It's there, every industry, every continent, and every income level. It's kind of mind-blowing, right? People are burned out, people are tired, they're stressed, they're overwhelmed, and there's people behaving poorly. So we know people aren't okay. And maybe you're doing fantastic and you're like, but Corinne, I'm doing great. I don't want to be around a bunch of people that are not doing well. I get it. But sometimes we don't have that choice in terms of who in our environment gets taken down, loses a job, loses a family member, right? Goes through their own struggles. So while people aren't okay, you can also be doing really well. You can be really happy. There are people that are happy. There are people enjoying their life. There are people that are financially sound. There are people that are right now relatively stress-free. And there are people that are living their dreams or their best life. Maybe you're one of those people. And what I want to say for you is yay you with love and compassion and celebration that life is really good for you right now. Now the conflict comes in when you may be doing really well, but somebody you know and care about isn't. So let's look at this. Think about how this applies in your own life. If you're doing really well, who's that person? Is it a spouse, a partner, a family member, a friend, a neighbor, a colleague? Could be somebody at work that you lead, somebody above you who leads you, right? Who is that person? And I want you to hold that into your thoughts as I walk you through today's show. So you're doing really well. This is the conflict because how do we exist in a world, in a community, in a relationship where you're doing fantastic and those you're connected with are in deep struggle? So here's some go-to strategies today that I'm going to share with you that we tend to do. One is we like, oh, I'm doing really well. They're not. I'm just going to hide away because I don't want to either have them be an energy vampire and drain me or I don't want them to think I'm being too much, or I'm arrogant, or that I don't want the things that are going great in my life to be a reminder to them of how things are so bad in their life, right? So we hide away. Or sometimes we end the relationship because it's quote unquote awkward. So we don't know what to do. So we don't do anything. And we just kind of let, we ghost the relationship. We let the relationship die. We hide away. We kind of say that we're busy right? And notice how I say, we kind of say that we're busy because when life is going good, we're like, okay, we, we could have the choice, but we hide away. And then the other thing is that we show up, but we don't share the good. We don't share 
that we're doing well. And there's a difference between owning our story and loving ourselves and sharing the good and bragging and being arrogant and saying, well, you know, my life over here is pretty damn good. I've got this husband who does this, this, and this. I'm able to relax, whatever it may be, right? I made so much money this year, and I don't know why you can't figure out how to make more money for you, right? That is not what I'm talking about, like you being good and being around other people, because that could trigger shame, right? That can trigger scarcity. That is not how we want to show up. We want to show up with owning our story. And so really, it's coming from this place of compassion and empathy, right? Not from a, I'm sitting over here on top of this mountain doing so great, and you poor thing down over here. And this is where it gets tricky. This is the, all the invisible little things that we may not know how to do. And so we hide away or we end it because it's so difficult. Or as my, you know, young, I guess they're not teenagers anymore, but my young adult daughters like to go, oh, awkward, right? Like, like that's awkward. Let's not go into that arena. And I'm like, oh, let's do it. (laughs) Let's do it because we can get better at it. So let's go. So that kind of behavior is all or nothing, right? Hiding away or not allowing ourselves to fully be seen, like allowing our full selves to be seen, only showing parts of ourselves. It's like, oh yeah, you're doing horribly. Let me pull out this story of how I'm doing horribly too. So we can sit here and have a pity party, but I'm not really being authentic because there may be something really good in part of my life that's going on, but I'm playing small. I'm not sharing it. So instead of thinking of all or nothing, it's about understanding that life is not black and white. It's not good or bad. And you have to stick in those polarizing zone. Life is full of color and there's so many different colors and there's so many different shades of colors, right? And darkness and light can exist in the same space. And it can. You can be living the life of your dreams and you can be holding space for someone you care about who is in deep struggle. You're like, Corinne, what does holding space mean? I get it. It was a hard concept for me to understand. So one I want to go back to is taking up space with the good in your life. Doesn't mean you're powering over. Doesn't mean you're being arrogant or boastful. You know, it's not about I'm better than you're worse than, right? That whole power over zero sum game. I win, you lose. We're so conditioned to that. There's so much cultural programming about that. But it's just about owning the fact that here's the good in my life, right? Here's the good. And it's not about discounting the good that you're going through. It's about being grounded in your truth, in your current experience, in your current reality. Notice I put in those disclaimers, current experience, current reality. Because the thing about this thing that we call life is it is a ride, (laughs) right? It is a ride. It is an adventure. There are ups and downs, twists and turns. There's some nice and steady. There can be some boring times and there can be some tumultuous times, right? It's all of it. That's the truth about life. So we want to take up space with the good in our life. And one of the reasons that this can be helpful, like when you are with somebody who is struggling is you can provide hope for the person who is having a hard time, right? It's not about better than, but like if you have a friend that's going through a job loss and you can be like, okay, they can have that experience and maybe you got a job promotion, right? It doesn't mean we need to brag it, but life can be good. It's important to know that there is good in the world. And, and it's so interesting I'm saying good because I usually try to stay away from good and bad 
right, right and wrong, but there is beauty in the world. So sometimes it can provide hope for the person who is having a hard time. Because remember, hope is a cognitive function. It's about understanding that we can fall down and get back up, fall down and get back up. So when we go through loss, we can rise again. Doesn't mean we won't show scars or have them internally. You know, when we rise back up, there'll be some huge key learnings and there'll be an awareness that maybe we didn't have before, right? And the awareness could be of the loss that may stay with you and remind you, and it may actually sharpen your values more. And it may give you more meaning and more clarity about what you want to do moving forward and be deliberate with your life. So the other thing about taking up space with the good in your life is that it's not about you being better than somebody else, whether you have a lot of money, you know, doing well at work, doing well in personal relationships, maybe you are just a fantastic mom. I want to hear your story if that's the case, because I'm sure I can learn more on how to be a better mother. When you're doing really well, it's not about being better than, right? It's about the fact that this is something, this is an area that you've practiced. Maybe something's good. You got lucky and it became easy right now. That's fantastic. Like we can celebrate that. While we can do hard things, we don't always have to do hard things, right? So it's not about being better than. It's about the windows of possibility of what is out there. If it's possible for you, what could be possible for me? right? That's that hopefulness. That's that empowerment. It's that inspiration that can be really practical for all of us. And the other thing that's really important is when you take up space for, you know, the good in your life and how you're doing well, it's also not about discounting the other person's experience, right? They may be going through struggle and it's about honoring that, allowing for them to have that space for that. So it's having the space for both. There's great things and there's difficult things. And being able to be comfortable with, as my kids would say, the awkward tension of it. Because if we lean into it and we become more comfortable with it, it becomes more comfortable, right? Versus awkward. We don't want to discount the other person's experience. So that's about holding space for those who are having a difficult time. And what that means is allowing their reality to exist. And this is where it's key without trying to fix it, right? It's like, uh uh-oh, this happened. Let me take you out of your struggle and let me give you money, right? That can be okay in some situations and that may not be. There's a lot of context to it. I just want to give you an example. So we don't want to step in and fix because think about it. Do you like it when somebody fixes you? And I will always laugh because how many times in my life have I talked about I want the white knight to come and rescue me? But then as soon as I like, and brave and step into the arena for whatever it is, whatever situation, I was like, oh no, no white knight. I do this myself, right? I'm like my daughter when she was two, mommy, me do it. I like to do it myself, maybe just not alone all the time. When it gets fixed, oftentimes those of us don't want it to be fixed. What we really want is, do you see me? Do you hear me? Do I matter? Are you seeing what I'm seeing, <laughs> Right. So often it's about listening as they share their pain so they can release it. And this, my friend, is the difference between empathy and sympathy. Empathy is, you know, recognizing what they're experiencing, what they're feeling, understanding, listening to their stories, right? Holding that perspective. 
holding that space for it to get messy, for tears to happen, for anger to happen, as long as it's not hurting you, right? Where they're physically offloading onto you. So in order for you to be helpful to others and to care about those you do when they are going through struggle, one of the important elements is that you must fill yourself up. And it's actually great to be in a so-called good place and to truly own it so that you have capacity to hold space for those who are in struggle. One of my favorite quotes that I heard a long time ago when I was first a coach is from Javis, and it's troubled, then stay with me for I am not. And this is why it's so important that when you are doing great, when you are doing well, when you are flourishing in your life and those who are in your life, who you're connected with, who you care about, that if you are not troubled, they can stand with you. But if you don't allow yourself to own that experience and play smaller with what's actually going on for you, they don't get to have that ripple effect of energy. So it's about both of us, right? It's about you and it's about those who are struggling. It's not a zero sum game. One is better, one is worse, right? It's about holding space for both of you to exist in the relationship. A specific example, like I've talked about job losses, another example is about money. You know, when one person has more money, has greater net worth, makes more money than somebody else. And so sometimes what happens is when there becomes a great discrepancy between how much one person makes versus another, instead of having the so-called awkward conversations about how do we coexist? We've had this lifelong friendship, but now there are things that you can do that I can't do. How do we work through this? It's about having a conversation. What tends to happen is that, oh, well, they can't do what I do, or I don't want to make it hard or awkward for them. So I just want to invite them versus having a conversation and saying, here are things that I would like to do. What are things that you would like to do? What can we do together? And what can we do separately? Right? It's getting clear. Clear is kind. Unclear is unkind. Because when we don't have this discussion about it, everybody makes stories about it. And then they go off and the resentment builds and we put on armor and then 10, 15, 20 years later, there's all this armor around both of us, right? Like, oh, well, they just thought I was too much because I had all this money and I could just buy all this stuff. I could do this stuff, right? But they didn't really have a conversation. They didn't allow each other the space to rumble and to share. Same thing happens in jobs, right? When one has a job, one loses a job or when one promotes and moves up the corporate ladder and one is a worker bee, not being able to be at the same space and not knowing how to deal with that so-called awkward, right? Being able to have clear conversations. We see this also happen in marriages, like when marriages change, when somebody, you know, you're part of a couple's group and then somebody gets divorced and then not knowing what to do. And then slowly the married couples kind of start to ghost, you know, the single people because they're going through struggle. We're really happy. We don't want to be too much for them. So we stop and we don't interact versus being able to figure out and work together. of What does it look like now in these changes? Because life changes. Same thing with loss. So one of the things that's really important is to know the pitfalls and the boundaries around holding space, being in an environment where Somebody may be thriving and somebody may be suffering. There's boundaries around that. There's always boundaries because boundaries allow us to be connected. Boundaries allow us to work through and solve problems, right? So knowing the pitfalls and what boundaries we need. 
So one of the pitfalls is the campfire. I've talked about that as a metaphor in the past. There was a time in my life, actually a couple of years ago, I became really good at it again, but where one of the strategies was to build a metaphorical campfire, pitch a tent, and just sit there and story fondle of all the wrongs that happened on and on and on. And I would just exhaust the people that were in my life. And the pitfall about that was there was never any clarity about what people could do, what they couldn't do. Did I ask what they could do? I was in so much suffering. I didn't even know that. And now what I do know is that when I'm not in suffering, for me, be able to step into that and hold that space for those who are struggling when I am not is how much do I have inside of me? What do I have to give? And what will hit my reserves? What will hit my capacity so that I'll need to step out so I can go back and replenish instead of being there in that swamp land? I'll walk through with a lot of people, but I also have to take care of myself. So that's one of the boundaries. Another pitfall of when we're in these opposing kind of experience in our lives is the fixing. I'm doing really well. You're not. So let me give you this to fix your problem. But you may be fixing the symptom, but not getting to what's really underneath that. Maybe somebody's struggling financially and you give them some money to pay off some debt, but then they'll find out in two months that, oh, they even have a bigger debt, right? They pay that off, but then they accrued more. So they're fixing the symptom, but they're not getting to the root of the problem. So instead of fixing, it's about holding that space, getting to maybe what the root is or helping them get to somebody that may be professionally trained that can help them. Enabling's another pitfall, right? Where there's lack of boundaries, the story following, like what I was talking about, like back in the days when I would have that campfire and I'd sit there over and over and my friends never said, hey, Corinne, this is my capacity or this is how much I have to give. They were so overly kind and I was in so much pain and struggle, I couldn't even see. And I was just very good at exhausting everyone, including myself. And I was enabled, right? So one of the things was it didn't help me when they didn't say, hey, this is what I have. Or we have been talking about this for a really long time. What do you want to do? How do you want to be? How do you want to feel? What does support look like? What do you need? right? Versus me just spewing out all my anger and pain. The other pitfall is taking on responsibility for the person who is in struggle, right? Is this your responsibility to take on? With my kids, I still catch myself. I'm like, oh, I'm not quite sure. Should I do this? And then I'll find resentment. But really asking, is this your responsibility? Is it not? Sometimes the boundaries get a little blurred. Sometimes it's we we default to, well, you know what, if I just take it on, it'll be way easier because I can see what's coming down the road and it'll be worse for me later. But then we're teaching people that you'll constantly take responsibility for them, we'll enable them, we'll fix them, and then here we go down the shit show all the time, right? So instead of taking on responsibility, it's about asking them, what do you need? What does support look like? Those two questions are really powerful because you may ask like, okay, what do you need? Like if I was in my shame storm, sitting in the swamp land, pitch a tent around the campfire and you're like, well, what do you need? I'd be like, uh, but no, don't you know that person? They did this, they did this, they did this, right? Okay, Corinne, what do you need? What do you need would have to make me think 
and be more deliberate versus me verbally vomiting. There's a point like verbally vomiting is good to get it out. And then there's a point it's just start fondling. What does support look like? I used to not like that question, but what does support look like is a great one. And remember, you get to decide if you have it in you or what you choose to do for comfort. Years ago, I had a friend call me and let me know that his daughter had cancer and I was stunned. It was a Saturday morning and I was stunned and she was young and this vibrant woman, young woman in her late twenties in graduate school. And I knew enough not to ask him like, how can I help? Because he's stuck in this, holy moly, this is happening to my daughter. I don't know. You know, there were so many unknowns. And then if I were to say, how can I help? It's like, well, I don't even know what you're willing offered to do. And I can't even figure out what's going on. And now I've got to figure out how you can help. So I knew enough not to ask that question. And I think I said, well, if you trust me to make dinner for you, I'll cook. That, my friend, is not a great thing to offer when you don't even want to offer it yourself. Like, we all know that I don't love to cook and cooking for others is like a total trigger for me. It's like, I mean, shame trigger. It's a shit show. I will pick up food. I will order food. I will deliver food. I really don't want to be making you food. That is just not an arena right now in my life where I want to do something. Some people love that. They love to do that for people. That is not mine. But I did offer it because I didn't know what else to say. And I knew not to say, how can I help? So I said, oh, well, if you would like me to cook some meals for you, I can do that. Well, since then I had to learn and I really worked on, okay, what do I say? And I remember there were several conversations with this friend where I started coming up with lists of here's how Pete and I can support you, right? Here's what we can do, you know, driving to the airport, picking up from the airport, early mornings, late nights. I gave a list. It's like multiple choice. We all love multiple choice questions because it's like, we can kind of go, oh, this is what to pick from. What's harder is, especially if you don't know your teacher, your professor is those open-ended questions. So think about that. When somebody's in a, a position of struggle, their brain isn't working at its best. They're in their own trauma. They're in their own loss. They're in their own grief. They may not know how to answer an open-ended question like, what does support look like? So one of the things you could do is, here's how I could support you. I'm happy to go for a walk and listen. I'm here for a hug. You know, what is it that you can do? I'm not going to say food because that would be a go against what's comfortable for me, right? Be really clear of what it looks like. So before you ask that question, have a few things that you're willing to do and you can give an A, B or a C. So pitfalls are the campfire, right? Not knowing your own capacity. So make sure you know your capacity, make sure you have energy. Fixing somebody, that's a pitfall. Having the boundary of holding space is not your job to fix. Listening is actually a very helpful thing. Enabling somebody, having a lack of boundaries so that they can story funnel, they can be an energy vampire from you, right? Or you'll just fix them and then they'll have to come back again right? Or you taking on responsibility. And instead of doing that, asking them, what do you need? What does support look like? And there's still context around that because it's the support that you could do. What are the things that you could do? And then the other pitfall, the final one is this whole idea that better than like, oh, well, if you would just had it all together like me, you wouldn't have these problems, right? Because here's the thing, my friend, we're all living this human experience. It's not better than or worse than because 
one human is going through some really great things in life, they're not a better person. They're not a more good enough person. Yes, I did say that more good enough, right? We're humans and it's about humanity. And this life is real and it's tough and it goes up and down and sideways. So we need to let go of the zero sum, I win, you lose. And knowing that, okay, how do we rise up together? And knowing when you fall down, I'm here and what we're going to help you up and we're going to celebrate and own the good in my life as well. And when your life is good, we're going to celebrate that too, because it's really vulnerable to celebrate the good. So my friend, as I close out today, don't play small because your life is good. It's okay. Give yourself permission to own that you're doing well, as well as support those you have capacity for who are in struggle. Notice I say you have capacity for. And here's an example I just found out that somebody that I know, I've known for a long time, and we're not inner circle people, but we know we're in the community together, has suffered a huge loss. And so I sent a card and it, you know, it took, I probably took uh, probably about 20 minutes, 30 minutes today for me to find the, because I have a bunch of cards to find the card, to think about what to say, because it's not easy when somebody's going through something hard and when you're not. Like, I don't really know, and I want to be authentic and speak my truth. So I wrote the card and it went out in the mail. I was able to do this. Like, they're going through something really hard, but there's parts of my life that are really, really good. We still have the shit shows, right? But like, today's a good day. Parts of my life that are really, really good. And because I'm in this good place, I can own that. And then I can also reach out and send some love, send some thoughts, send some memories to this person. Here's the thing. When I was reflecting back for the show today, I thought about a couple of years ago when my life was on fire. And I, I once again had found that through a grapevine of somebody that I really care about, who's really special, who doesn't live in town, had also suffered a loss. And a friend of mine had told me, and I always meant to send a card, but I wasn't good. And while I kept putting it on my list and putting it on my list, it never got out because I wasn't in a good place. And that took a lot of energy that I didn't have at that time. And because I was in so much deep struggle. So this is also another reason why when you're doing well, you may have more capacity than when you are in a place of struggle. So I hope this show encourage you to fully show up. There is a lot of heart in this world. And especially as we get older, we all know of stories that will break our hearts. My invitation for you is to embrace what is good in your life and hold space for those who are in struggle as you continue to make sure you fill yourself up. My friend, it's not an end game of life is good and then we're done and we get to just live in the good old life, right? It's a continual movement. It's a sea of change. Enjoy the good because there will be those really difficult times. We don't need to dwell on it. They will be there. And the goal is to move through. I'm smiling big for you. Hey there, before we go, I have a question for you. Have you subscribed to the show yet? This is an awesome opportunity for you to preserve your brain juice. I love the fact that I can subscribe to podcasts and television shows, and they go straight to my iPhone or they go straight to my DVR. And then I don't have to worry of, oh no, especially with television shows, 
Did I hit record? Is it going to be there? Or now do I have to watch it on demand and go through all the commercials? So go and hit the subscribe button. There's a link in the show notes, and that will ensure you that you never miss a show. And you can also save your brain juice for other things in your life. There's way more important things, but you and I will still be connected because the show will be waiting for you in your phone. Go to the link in the show notes, subscribe to the show so you can automatically get all the shows to your phone. I'm smiling big for you. Oh, on a lid.